Kia Koto. I'm here with Richard from Mosaic. Richard and I had a good chat probably about a week ago, mm. and we thought we'd just keep this pretty informal. And I thought I'd start with saying, how's your day been, Richard? Well, it's one of those days where you wish you had ended up on holiday because some very cunning people apparently took three days off this week <laughs> and got a 10-day holiday, and I didn't think of that. Oh, no. But... but <laughs> That's not, no, that's not a bad thing. I've had a good day, thanks. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So you've been with Mosaic for quite a long time. Yes, it, it just really stacks up, doesn't it? So it's about um, five years now. Five years. How did you first get involved? In Mosaic? I just decided to volunteer for a community group because I hadn't done something like that for a while. And, and then I found out about Mosaic. And I thought, well, that sounds like something I could help with. And... The rest is history. What kind of volunteering did you do at the start? So I know you've, I know you've, kind of your role has grown, to put it gently. Yes. Um, initially, I was a tr- actually trustee on the governance board. So you started things. at the top. I started at the top <laughs> and worked my way down. <laughs> because I've been, a, well, I was on the same organisation in Christchurch, or a very similar one in Christchurch in the 90s, where I was on the governance board as well. So I had that expertise, and okay. so, so one thing led to another. What does Mosaic do? All oh, right, okay. So choice. we work with men who have been traumatised, usually through sexual abuse, but not only, and we provide a variety of therapeutic supports for them and some social work supports. Mm. So what kind of supports? Well, our, our, our favourite thing is we have what we call peer support groups, so they are where uh, guys who have been through the same thing, usually a group for sexual abuse survivors, get to meet together in complete confidentiality. In fact, most of them never learn each other's uh, full names. Oh. Everyone just knows each other's first name, and it creates a really great, safe environment where you can feel like you can talk about anything. I'm a massive nerd for confidentiality because of the like mediation mm-hmm. sort of work that I do. How do you do it? How do you create such great, like such a safe space? There's got to be a lot to it, I know. Well, it's just simple basics like um, there's no reason for our work to get masses of information about a person. We're not the police. We're not trying to prove a, a crime or anything like that. So whatever a person presents with is fine with us. If someone wants to come in and say their name is Harry and it's not, well, it doesn't matter to us at all. Um, so it's very easy to have that kind of privacy. In other ways, we have our meetings in the evening when all the other agencies are closed. Uh, people only learn about the address once they've had their first assessment. So it's all very discreet. Why is it so important? One of the, one of the biggest problems men have in recovering from abuse is that they don't do it. <laughs> okay. And there's lots of reasons why they don't come forward for support. And one of them, one of the really big ones, especially for males, is that they just don't want people to know. They're just terrified people will know for a lot of different reasons. Some of them are very valid reasons. Um, they don't want the family to know in case it disrupts the family. They don't want the community to know in case it disrupts the community. In some cases, they protect the perpetrator. Um, it's quite a complicated set of reasons. Yeah, and it sounds like each person would have their own experience and their own set of reasons and perceptions and all of those things. That's right. There's um, 
yeah. thousands of types of individuals. So yeah. say if, if someone felt like they needed a service or that a service like this or a mm. space like the spaces that you have at mm. Mosaic would be helpful for them, um, how, would that, how would that man approach you or how would they get in touch? What's the sort of first step? Right, well, um, we have tried to make this as easy as possible. So whichever communication technique you prefer, we've tried to cover the bases. So we have maybe start with the website where we have all of our other contact details, like our Facebook page and our phone numbers and our email address, and our Skype address. And then you can... <laughs> we didn't do this just to be silly. It's like... <laughs> everyone has the, everyone has their preferred method. You can just email us. There's a booking form on the website. Okay, I've got to ask: How many people actually Skype you? <laughs> <laughs> this, you know the answer. This is naughty zero. <laughs> but we never know. Just in we case. Just, just in case. No, you never know. You never know. I didn't know the answer. I, was, <laughs> I, I mean, you just yeah. I can um, imagine it might be. Um, it might not be the first way that people mm, will contact you, but maybe down the line. Yeah, and I think maybe the video element puts people off as well. And probably a lot of people don't even think of, but that. We also just have a lot of people walk in. It might not be the video, it might just be Skype. I yeah. mean, does anyone even use Skype? Yeah, anymore? I know. Maybe we should put a Zoom number on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so people, which, what would you say the most common way of contacting you? Well, is? the most common is just phone calls. Phone calls. But uh, it's only about, still only about 40% phone calls. All those methods are used because they've worked. Mm -hmm. And you said that you don't tell people the address until they've had the first, the sort of assessment. Yeah. 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 Um, so you don't get walk-ins, but phone yeah, calls kind of there. the best, next best option, eh, if you can't yeah. do it face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Or if you, that's right, I mean, even a phone call can be intimidating, so the booking form on the website, it's pretty easy to fill out, and again, you don't even you have to use your surname there if you don't want to. Mm. Privacy is so important. So you said, just to backtrack a little bit, you said that you got involved with Mosaic um, as a trustee, and you had been a trustee of the Christchurch. Mm. Yeah. So what's the history of Mosaic? Like how long has Mosaic been around? Well, it be formed as a legal trust before my time, about uh, six years ago. And we decided the legal name is a bit of a mouthful, Male Survivors of Sexual Abuse Trust Wellington. So trying to say that, well, anybody really? Yeah. <laughs> Electrician. <laughs> we decided to have an easier-to-remember name. Mosaic. Uh, that was just a brainstorm. Came up with that name. So it's not an acronym. It's, it's not an acronym. No, it's more of a metaphor. So the idea yeah. is the original brainstorm idea was that you know the mosaics that kind of Roman art form where you have the lots of mini tiles placed on a floor or a wall or something. And the idea was that well you you've got this far in your life and you look at this picture of your life you go actually all of that stuff there I don't want that in my picture. And so you're free to just throw those tiles away and put in some new ones of your own. That's brilliant. I, that's a really great metaphor for, I guess, empowerment, really. Mm. And I think it seems like what the service is really about at its depth is creating spaces and structures that empower people. Yes, it is about empowerment. Yeah. We don't actually do anything. We just yeah. facilitate recovery. That's the hard thing. The guys have to... Every person has to run their own recovery. But we can give advice and a setting and tools to do that. I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and say, you don't just come once and then you're all good. 
really. Really, yeah. Occasionally guys do say, well, with such a load off, can you tell my story the first time in my life? I feel so much better, I don't think I'll come back. Mm. But recovery is an endless journey. Well, it can be. Um, because the legacy of events is always with you. I mean, they can become insignificant. But unless you willfully blank them out and somehow um, reshape your brain so it's never traumatised, then uh, you're always going to have something with you. Do you get people approaching you that just want to help out? Yeah, yeah, it's great. We have a steady flow. Well, maybe trickle, but still steady amount of people coming and volunteer. Awesome. In fact, we couldn't carry on with the amount of work we do at the moment without volunteers. So how many how many volunteers do you have at the moment? Do dozen want, or yeah. 15 uh, volunteers. Wow. I did look at the, the Facebook, oh, sorry, your, your website, and it was like an endless scroll of, I was like, oh, my God, there's so it, many amazing it, people in yeah, this Yeah, it is amazing. We have um, a, a lot of volunteers, including in our Porirua office, yep. in our um, Kapiti Coast office. Without them, those offices wouldn't be open. We have a social media manager, Liv, who's doing a fantastic job with our Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram. Well, I'm very old, so I don't actually use Instagram, but I hear that she's doing a great job on Instagram. <laughs> and we have a someone else that helps out in the office, and we have some people doing youth outreach at uh, on a tertiary campuses in Wellington, Kelvin and Massey and Fitty Raya. Hmm. That's a so, yeah. big team. And all of those are volunteers. Yeah. So we could not do... Th- Half of what we do with the other volunteers. Like, what's if someone wants to become a volunteer? What's the process like? Do they have to do you have like a some sort of induction process or a training process? Like, yes, it's a you know it's, it's not a pleasant subject matter, and people sometimes think that they'll be comfortable working in the, in the field. In effect, it turns out they aren't. So. What we always do, it's the simplest way to, and it's not meant to be mean, is people, before they can do anything else, have to do our training. So they do our training first. And that often makes people realise that it's not for them or make them realise that it is for them. So the very first thing to do is to just make an appointment for a quick introduction and then you go in our next training intake. And, and that sorts it out. All right. And then what does that process look like? I, I mean, I imagine that... You've got to come to a group or something, or like how long do you do you come to a group for a few months or? Oh right, well, yes. If you want to be a peer support volunteer, oh, right. Oh, so you've got all the different. All the different. Oh, got so it. you have. Yeah. So oh yes, I should say not all our volunteers are survivors. It's not that kind of situation. Oh, got it. So over half our uh, volunteers are female. Um. I don't ask people to disclose if they are survivors of abuse or not when they volunteer. But if they do and they're male, then it's very valuable to us to have peer support, male peer support workers because they can run our, our peer support groups because they're closed. So the only people in those groups are male survivors of sexual abuse. They're very spe- specific. But we have other groups which are, which are not so closed where... Um, you don't have to be male. You can be a support person. You can be um, there for other troubling issues, um, if you like. And so that's that's a group where anybody can learn how to facilitate, which is great. Do you mind if I ask a more personal question? Sure. I imagine working at Mosaic, as any kind of job does, 
it's changed you in ways like how how do you how have you found the experience of being part of mosaic personally transformative yes that's a good question um pretty much positive because when you're working with people with terrible stories you have to learn how to cope with it and if you don't then you're going to burn out in six months the only way you, well, you could still be working after five years and be hiding the fact that you've burned out. But you have to learn these coping mechanisms. You have to learn really healthy, proper coping mechanisms. And that's really great to learn those me coping mechanisms. How, do you, how, how did you learn those coping mechanisms? It's really an aptitude thing, I think. There's no courses on it. Yeah. A bit of mindfulness, a bit of Buddhist philosophy, um, mental tricks, psychological tricks. Like what? Well, you can't end up being... You can't say, well, I don't want to share this person's pain, um, so I'll just be a blank, cold person. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. We can't shut off. We're human. And you can't get swept away by it and end up in despair alongside the person. So yep. you've got to be in the middle somewhere. And um, it's hard to quantify. You, you can or you can't. You know, I get guys who say, oh, I'm going to be a peer support worker, and within a couple of months, they've dropped out, it's too hard. And then the others who have stayed. And it really just does seem to come down to temperament, the ability to learn these skills, and um, aptitude, yeah. It's a pretty demanding kind of space to be in. You know, there's a lot of, I guess, trauma is huge. And you, you said that right at the start, well, this isn't just about sexual trauma, sexual mm. abuse. Um, it's generally a difficult experiences men have had. Um, and that's, I mean, gosh, that's pretty big. Well, that's right. It can seem like a daunting mountain. The, the, the thing about trauma is that it's really poorly understood. And I wouldn't say that we have a gold-plated um, methodology. But... Being trauma-informed just has a few basic elements. Uh, you understand that trauma, well, this is our take on it, yeah. um, affects the brain directly. The brain uh, reshapes, no matter what, what age you are. Your brain swells up in traumatised areas. People end up with all kinds of symptoms, which are called PTSD, which is, can or isn't always helpful. But you actually have a medical condition. You've had an injury to your mind, and even if it wasn't overwhelmingly physical, it still strangely has a, um, a, 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 an effect on the actual physical brain that can be detected with like MRI scans. This is just a really poorly understood area. Men could be treated for trauma, well, from, from when it happens as children, you know, a, the vast majority of sexual abuse of males is when they're children. That's what we're talking about. But they don't come forward for many, many years due to all the barriers to disclosure, like just not wanting to admit it to themselves or to others. Yep. So we see them when this is well established. And so trauma, tra traumatised men out in society, they're usually doing something about it themselves, like being addicted, like being angry all the time, because as an eight-year-old, they were never taught any other way of coping with it. 
So we believe actually trauma is really straightforward to deal with. And the reason it's such a big problem in society is it just hasn't been. Yeah, I, I read um, Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score a couple of years ago, and that really, it, it really informs my practice and the way that I understand the world. You know, and, um, we all have trauma on some level. Um, of course, there's a danger in being just trauma-focused, right? You need to have a lot of other lenses. What would you say, we've, only, we've got a couple of minutes left, but what would you say some of those other lenses are that you bring into your work? Um, racism. Yep. That's a good one. Because if you've suffered from a racist life of, a, of oppression, then you're going to have an underlying level of stress anyway. So I've, I've noticed that. Uh, being queer, that can make life really difficult for you trying to deal with trauma when you're trying to also come to terms with your sexuality. And a lot of, a lot of uh, anxiety is the wrong word, maybe agonising is a better word, trying to dis distinguish your identity from the things that have happened to you. So oftentimes talking to the person about their, their life and not just focusing on a trauma is just as important, sometimes more important. One, one could almost say we're like a mosaic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>